feel like I need something to jolt me out of this feeling that there's, you know, what else is there basically. Are you a mom with a story to tell, but not sure where to start? Publishing a book is kind of overwhelming. Now throw kids and babies into the mix and you got a lot going on, but that doesn't mean you can't build yourself a thriving author life. My name is Jackie and I'm a mom and an indie author and I'm here to show you how, step by step, to get your books written, published, and sold, even if the only time you actually have to write is during your toddler's afternoon nap. It's time to write like a mother with These Moms Write. Hey moms, welcome to the season finale of These Moms Write. I am so thrilled that you are listening and that you have been along on this journey with me so far. I started this podcast because I was just feeling blah about my life. I had the job, the house, the family, but something was missing. I was having a midlife crisis, which incidentally is like a man's midlife crisis, but without the sports cars and strippers. I have grown so much through this podcast. If you're listening to this podcast, then I know that feeling of not knowing if you are in the right place is something that resonates with you. This is exactly why I am so excited for you to meet today's guest. Alicia Fernandez Miranda is a mother of twins and a former CEO and the author of Coming of Middle-Aged Memoir, My What If Year, which was released in February of this year. The book details Alicia's struggle with the same question that has come up over and over in this podcast, which is that feeling of, am I in the place that I'm meant to be? Is there more to life? Can I fully show up in another way? In Alicia's case, exploring that question meant taking a year of unpaid internships, many of which saw her apart from her family, in some cases on the other side of the world, and what she learned about herself in the process. In today's episode, Alicia shares the midlife crisis that spurred this book, what she learned about herself by writing it, what she learned about writing, and the wild journey she's been on ever since. Please welcome Alicia Fernandez Miranda. Hello, Alicia. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I am more excited because I just read your book, but we'll get into that. Okay. Uh, but <laughs> what are you like? What are you? What are you most excited about right now? Do you know what? I just went out and bought a whole bunch of stuff for my garden, um, which is I am a person who really likes to be on the move. And so after I came back from my book tour, I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm just home now. I mean, I'm going on a second part book tour, so it's okay. But I went today, I've bought a whole bunch of like seeds and a bunch of things for my garden. And so I'm actually very excited about planting a garden in spite of the fact that it snowed last night here. So I don't think I can put anything in the ground just yet. That is so interesting, actually, because I recently did something that was exciting, not a book tour, but exciting nonetheless. And I have found that you you do need something to focus on when you come off that high. It was so, I mean, it was incredible. It was like beyond my wildest dreams. And I'm sure everybody has a similar experience when their first book comes out and they feel so proud of it. But um, it was 
helped by the fact that so many people from my past came out to my book events. So, you know, my preschool teachers and my high school teachers and my childhood dentist and every cousin from every side of the family, like three, four, you know, times removed. I mean, it was so incredible. And I don't know that that will ever happen again. It was even more than my wedding, actually, when there was like a limited number of people to come. This Mm. was just so, so wonderful to see so many people from so many different parts of my life who were just happy for me and wanted to support me and to support the book. And then to meet new people who had read the book. So I think that high, especially coming out of this like COVID times where, you know, big events have not been the norm for the past few years. Oh my God, it was just everything. So yeah, I definitely had like a few days of oh my God, I'm home now. What do I do? But so I'm still planning travel and simultaneously working on things that bring me joy closer to home. So I don't have to keep leaving basically to find it. Mm, yeah. Because once you've had that high, it must take some effort to cultivate joy in, in the everyday. I think when I got home, my husband had the flu. My kids had like a mountain of laundry for me. I was like, oh, okay. We're back to this now, but it's all right. I love, I do. I love being home too. It's nice. I like both. I'm a person who really enjoys the very busy kind of extremes. And then also, you know, my life in Edinburgh is pretty quiet. It's very nice, but I work from Mm -hmm. home and the kids are in school all day. And so it's not um, very fast paced, which I love. And I think I enjoy kind of having the peaks and valleys of intensity um, it helps me move forward. I know not everybody is like that, but I, I really seem to enjoy it so far. Mm. So good. I love it. I love it. I can totally resonate. And I'm sure listeners can as well. Okay. So you are all, so I, I love your book and your experience because you really bring together what this podcast is about, which is a lot, mainly women in their middle age are the ones I talked to who have picked up writing because something was missing in their lives and they wanted to show up more creatively. And your book you had the same experience, but you took a different direction. You <laughs> decided, you know, you're burnt out from your successful career to go and try these internships. Like why internships? So the idea kind of sparked from a lifelong love of musical theater and I would go see musicals. And I went to one in particular with my husband, you know, kind of years before this was even an idea. And we left the musical. It was Kiss Me Kate at the Old Vic in London. I was on such a high. And I just said to him, God, I would do anything to be part of a production like this. I would pick up trash. I would fold playbills. I would get people coffee. Like, you know, like being an intern. Like, wouldn't that be amazing? I would give my skills for free in exchange for sitting in on rehearsals and just knowing what it was like. And that was like, oh yeah, that would be a good idea. And then kind of left it there. But that idea had been noodling in there for a while. And then I sort of articulated it to a couple girlfriends over a very martini-filled evening, which is the very first opening scene of the book, uh, which is pretty true to life, how it happened. And once I started talking about it and then kind of put it in this form where it seemed like a project, I was like, wait, I could do more than one internship. I could do several. I could explore all of these things and these creative parts of me that have maybe been dormant for a long time or that I've lost because I feel like I need something to jolt me out of this feeling that there's, you know, what else is there basically. And so that was where the idea hatched. But it is funny because I always loved writing. I wrote a lot when I was little. I was very into journalism uh, all the way through high school and then did an internship where I was told, don't ever go into journalism. This is the worst field you could possibly be in ever, please. (laughs) From like a woman who was like, 
40, which seemed ancient to me at 18 years old. (laughs) And, um, and, but I really, you know, I had always wondered what that would be like. And so I had wanted to intern in a magazine that was like on my top list of things I would have done had all of this not happened during COVID. I think I still Mm. would have done that, but it's funny how things worked out that I did find my way to writing through all of this. Yeah. And it's kind of cool because at the end of the book, you're like, what's next? And it sounds like, I mean, the book itself is an answer to that. Is that well writing? Definitely part of it. But I think writing as a piece of other things, it's really funny. You know, I think my entire life, people have been able to say, what are you doing next? Or what's your plan? Are you going? And I've had like a very clear answer for them because I've always been so goal oriented. And one of the nice things that's happening now is that I don't necessarily know. So I am writing. I'm loving the writing. I'm working on some new stuff as well, which is scary and challenges me in a different way. I'm enjoying promoting this book and getting it out there in the world because that's a really fun process for an extrovert like me. And But I'm also still interning with the art dealer who I... Well, not interning anymore. Now he pays me, but I'm working (laughs) with the art dealer who I was working, uh, interned for in the book. And I am uh, still doing things for the hotel and I am still doing a little bit of philanthropy consulting. So I am still trying to kind of keep this intern spirit Mm. in my life, in the decisions I make and trying to not plan everything out and just kind of see where opportunities are taking me, which is very uncomfortable position for me to be in, but I'm like leaning into it because I think it's right for right now. Yeah. And that is such an interesting perspective. I think that you bring again, you know, we talk a lot about writing, but what is the intern spirit? Because I think that sheds a different light onto like midlife crises. I feel like it's often what I'm talking about is that feeling, right? You got somewhere and Mm -hmm. we're now in our forties and our kids are like able to survive without us. Well, mostly, (laughs) mostly. And it's like, what next? What's happening? I'm, I'm not happy. It's, it's really funny. I called this book sort of tongue in cheek in like one of the many, many versions of the proposal that I wrote and that I sent out to, you know, hundreds of thousands of people before I got someone to respond. Um, but I called it a coming of middle age story, which I liked. And my publisher sort of caught onto that. And somebody asked me if I thought that it was similar to a coming of age story, right? Like, was this somehow like when you write about a coming of age story? And I said, actually, in some ways it does feel like that because the thing that I was trying to recapture was exactly what you were saying, what we're kind of looking for, that spirit of being, you know, just open, having possibilities ahead of you, having nothing but potential in front of you and not having a lot of baggage behind you. I mean, some people get to coming of age with a lot of baggage behind them, but at least not professional baggage usually by that point. And so I really do feel like now it's almost like a renaissance of that time for me. But part of that is this spirit of all the things I learned from the internships, you know, things like not being afraid to fail, like doing stuff that made me uncomfortable, even though it made me really uncomfortable, you know, trying to make sure I'm learning and not stopping learning. And that when I do make a decision about how I want to spend my time professionally or even my personal time, you know, I ask like, is this going to teach me something new? Is there a high probability of failure? Am I going to find joy in this? Is it going to make me happy? Am I going to maybe enjoy it? Because that's also very important to me. And all of those things really came out of that, the whole internship experience for me, for sure. Wow. I really feel like what you're speaking to is, is it's not, it's your experience, but it speaks to like a bigger phenomena that I feel like is happening 
right now that you are like leading the way, but that something's changing. Like, do you think that part of the reason your book has really taken off is because there is a shift happening with, you know, and I'm thinking women, you know, middle-aged women with kids um, specifically. I mean, anecdotally, hundred percent. That's what I'm hearing when I'm out on tour. It's what I'm hearing from my friends. And maybe, you know, I, I heard someone talking the other day about uh, kind of our generation of sort of elder millennials slash like young Gen X people. Gen X, Gen X, is Gen X, Gen Y, Gen X? I never know which one it is, but, you know, yeah. older, older millennials, people who are in their 40s yeah. now, women totally. who are in their 40s specifically. Yeah. And you know, us having been the first generation, obviously caveating if you grew up in a, you know, American or typically Western European household and you were of a, you had enough kind of privilege and means that you could think of all these things, all of those kind of caveats in there, but that we grew up seeing our mom's work maybe and being fed these girl power, you can have it all. Like, congratulations, we won feminism and now your generation is going to go off and do it all and have it all. And isn't that going to be amazing? You're going to be ambitious. You're going to have the job. You're going to have the family and it's going to be great. And now that people our age are coming into learning that maybe it's not all it's cracked up to be, that maybe there's not a lot of support systems that are in place for mothers, for women who work and all of those big, big picture issues, you know, that we're starting to talk about it. And the more we talk about it, the more other people are like, oh yes, this resonates with me, or I have felt this as well. And I think that that is a big shift. I think it is changing. I hope that it's going to make things better for the women that are coming up behind us because you know, it's not easy. It's not easy trying to be a professional, whether that's a writer or an intern or whatever it is you do, and a mom. It's very, very challenging. There's a lot of trade-offs and sacrifices. And I think a lot that, you know, a promise or a fiction that we were sold on that has turned out not to be the case. And I think people are now like, okay, hold on. Does it really have to be this way? How else could it be? Maybe there's another path forward. And I love seeing women coming together and talking about that and sharing it, sharing the things that are hard and, you know, wanting to figure out solutions in community with each other. Yeah, now's the time. And I mean, it's amazing. Just want to accolade to you for showing us what can be possible while, you know, you still have a family. And I think so often what I hear talking to moms that are writing is like that, the kids, uh, the kids and the mom guilt. And, and it's, I can't do that thing because I'm not a 20 single something living in New York, which is a life. I, I wish I, I had one point. <laughs> I mean, that's just me, but maybe you could uh, have that life still, you wouldn't be 20 something, but maybe it'd be mm-hmm. better at 40 something. Yeah. I'm not advocating leaving your kids and husband necessarily and moving to New York, but like maybe short yeah. period of time is good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's so inspirational just because I think there's so many limiting beliefs that we have as, as moms and women about what is possible. And I mean, I really recommend all listeners take a read through your book because it does show you like, wait, I, I, I can do things actually. It's not going to be easy. I might get that phone call from my daughter um, that's going to like, give me like stab to the heart, but like, it'll pass and they'll be, they'll be okay. You know what? My, I, I so hear that. And I have been, I was asked recently, I was on a, I zoomed into a book club of women, most of whom were, you know, a bit older than me, 
when they were asking about mom guilt and talking about mom guilt and feeling mom oh. guilt all the time. And I was like, yes, I, I feel mom guilt every day. I felt it when I took my kids to McDonald's after school for a snack today because <laughs> they should be eating vegetables. We should not be eating McDonald's. But hey, ho, we went to McDonald's and got chicken nuggets, which was my bribe to get them to come to the garden store with me. So, um, you know, I, it's not that it's gone, but I do think there is a bigger perspective. And I remember when my twins were just born and they were preemie, they were almost six weeks early, very tiny in the hospital, two weeks. And then feeding was like a nightmare. You know, at one point I was breastfeeding and pumping and supplementing with formula and they weren't eating at the same time. And there were two of them. So I was spending about 18 hours a day, like sourcing food for my children. And I was so tired and so miserable. And when they were like six or seven weeks old, I went to the pediatrician and he was like, you know what? Breast milk is important. It is great. And it is a wonderful thing you can do. However, if you are miserable every second of the day, there is no way that you are going to raise children who are healthy. So take care of yourself, do what you need to do. That's going to make you a better mom. So stop feeling so guilty about not being able to produce enough milk, blah, 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 blah. And it was 11 years ago. And it is advice that has stuck with me to this day. And it is what I tell myself when I feel mom guilt, which is that one, I need to take care of myself in order to be a good mom. I know for a fact that that is true. And two, sometimes the long-term benefit of that is beyond what I can see. You know, my kids were not happy when I was gone, but they're extremely proud of what I have accomplished now. And I think they have completely shifted how they think about their own professional futures because they have someone in their house who's like, yeah, I did this job. Now I'm doing this other job and maybe next I'm going to do this different job. And like, if someone asks my kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? They'll say, well, first I want to be a paleontologist. And then after my paleontology career, I think I want to go run a pizza restaurant. Mm -hmm. And I love, I love that. I love that. That's how they're thinking about that. And I gave that to them by taking this experience. And so I think that sometimes it's not that you can ignore the mom guilt, but there's a bigger picture sometimes. And so I do hope that people think about that too. I hear mom saying this, but I I really do think what you've done is show us and modeled in this such a profound way that, you know, you can try it. That thing that you've been wanting to do that sounds kind of crazy. Uh, for me, it was recently trying stand-up comedy. Like <gasps> it, it's, it seemed crazy. And that I had, is so brave. Yeah. It was scary, but I survived. Right. And and I feel like what you'd shown is such a profound way is that listen to yourself and let go of the mom guilt for a little while. And, and that's okay. And mm -hmm. you're going to survive and who knows where it's going to take you. Absolutely. Oh my God. Wait, how did it go? I know oh we're going to spend so the whole exciting. time talking about your stand-up comedy, but was it great? Did, will you do it again? Yeah, I will totally do it again. Yeah. I loved it. Um, yeah. It was such a thrill. Like, like I'd, always want to do it, but just always told myself, no, no. And wow. I love gosh. hearing that. There's the journey of the internship and all of that that goes along with it. And, but then also writing the book, like, did you learn something about yourself through or your, and your experience through actually producing a memoir about it? Oh my God. I, I think writing is like one of the most amazing forms of therapy because you really are forced to interrogate why the why behind the decisions that you make. 
the feelings that you were feeling and where those feelings might have come from. You know, I did when I would do writing groups, the, and of course, everyone's like very respectful. And even though you're writing memoir, people would be like, oh, well, the narrator, you know, even though it's like me, I'd be like, well, it feels like the narrator is really angry at her husband for something. I want to hear more about that. I was like, oh, shit. I was like, Am I, oh, I don't know if I'm cursed. Oh, darn. I am not really mad at my husband. So maybe I need to figure out why it's coming out like that on the page <laughs> because it was clearly giving that impression to other people. And I think when I did the first, when I first started writing this project and it was called the 40 year old intern back then before it was called my what if year. Mm-hmm. And when I first started writing, so I know that's a good name too, but my what if year turned out to be great. I know. Um, when I first started writing it, I really thought I was going to write like a fun, funny fish out of water. You know, these experiences that we're having were so comical to me. And when I started writing about them, I was like, oh, this is just going to be such a lighthearted, you know, romp. I don't need to talk about my personal life. I don't need to talk about the reason I'm here and why I ended up doing these things. I just need to tell the fun stories of my internships and that's going to be great. And throughout the process, the writing process and also the editing process was so key. It was, it became very clear that I needed to go deeper. I needed to really help the reader see what my conflict was, where there was tension and explain why, why I had decided to do this. And I really hesitated to do that for so long because I didn't even really want to ask myself those questions of why. And I don't know that I would have understood the reasons why I did it and therefore the what I need to do to make sure I never start to feel that way again if I hadn't written about it. Because writing about it was what enabled me to really clearly understand where I had been and where I needed to go. Wow. And it's a, you know, beautifully written memoir had, I know you've written for like the Huffington Post. Had you, did you like, how did you produce this book or have you written similar pieces before? No, no. I mean, so I've just found all these short stories that I wrote when I was like in middle school. They are really very terrible and very funny. And they are like, I went on vacation to Hawaii with my friends. And then we all, I was like very detailed descriptions of like the house in Hawaii that we stayed in and what everybody packed to wear and (laughs) zero plot. So, but I had written, you know, I did journalism when I was in high school and then I wrote mostly for business. Like the piece I had written originally for Huffington Post was about sustainable fashion, which was something I had done a while back. I had not engaged in any creative writing from the point where I started working on this book. I had not engaged in any creative writing since I was, I don't know, a teenager, 14, 15 years old. So no, I had not done this, but I found that writing in my own voice was... Not that it came easy, but it felt like I was almost felt like I was writing in a diary. And then I found the editing harder than the writing, actually. And I still find the editing harder than the writing because I can spit out like a few thousand words in a morning. They're not good, though. So (laughs) I need to be able to go back and edit them. And that part is slightly harder. But I did not have a lot of experience. Once I got like kind of serious about the fact that I was like, okay, I'm actually. I'm writing something. I want it to be good. I still had no idea it was going to go anywhere or ever be you know, anything that it has become. Um, I took some online writing classes. This was like during COVID. So I took a fiction writing class, which was like really basic, like fiction 101. I took a memoir writing class, like that was an intensive memoir writing class. And those 
definitely helped me. I read a bunch of books about craft. I read Bird by Bird, like everybody else. And, you know, I did all of that stuff. Um, and then I just, I just kept going with it. And I took the feedback and I took it seriously and I edited it. And even though I always wanted to be done with it and thought each draft was the best it was going to get, every time I went back, it got better every single time. Um, but I appreciate you saying it's well-written. I'm still learning as a writer. And it's funny because I have been working on a novel and I find not writing in my own voice, like the one that is in my head, much, much harder than writing in my own voice. Because to me, you know, a lot of writing that book was just like what I would say to you if you were asking me to describe what had happened. Whereas trying to write in someone else's voice and really try to hone a craft of writing is, you know, it's it's another thing I'm trying that makes me slightly uncomfortable and that there's a high probability of failure, but it's good. I'm enjoying it anyway. Yeah, that's exciting. And then, so then you're a newcomer to writing in a sense. And what about the publishing? Like, was there anything that surprised you about the publishing process? I mean, I think I had a very unorthodox experience actually, because um, I did this straight up like querying as many people as possible to find my agent. I was querying in both the US and the UK because I have been in the UK. I am American. I'm from Miami. Uh, I grew up in the US. Uh, and I feel very rooted there. And I felt like the book was in my American, my most American, American voice. But I had lived in the UK for, you know, almost 15 years at that point. It's been 15 years now. And so I wasn't sure. And honestly, I just wanted to cast a wide net because I was really querying anybody. I was like, great, I have two addresses. So I can query everybody in all these countries. I would have queried in Canada if I would have <laughs> thought I had any ability to do that. And so um, I just... Was I surprised? I mean, I think the amount of ghosting that happened, I guess, was surprising. I am a person who is very responsive. I will respond to emails and Instagram messages. It's just, it's like an important thing to me to be responsive to people if they're taking the time to reach out to you, even if I can't do what they've asked me to do. And in my professional life, that's been very important to me. And then I got to publishing and you're like pouring your heart and soul into a query letter and a proposal. And no, they don't even write back. Like I just was... Come on. So the amount of, you know, ghosting, not even like a kind rejection, but the ghosting was something that surprised me. Mm -hmm. um, but then my publishing journey was completely like a, you know, once in a lifetime, like Cinderella story, which was <laughs> that I had met um, my publisher, Zibby Owens, via Instagram. I found her on Instagram. Um and so I had I had gotten this was maybe even actually before I even got my agent, I had gotten some advice. Um, I used to work in bookstores in high school and college, and I reached out to Mitchell Kaplan, who uh, runs Books and Books in Miami, where I worked as a high school student, and I also babysat for his kids. And I had stayed in touch with him over the years, and I was like, "Look, I've written this thing that might be a book. It's like you know enough words to be a book." <laughs> and I want to reach out to agents. Can you introduce me to people? And also, do you have any advice? And he said, you know, you are, uh, I'm sure it's great, but you are a debut memoir author with no platform and no clips. So why don't you start, while you're looking for an agent, you should also start trying to publish short pieces that are maybe around the same themes as you're writing. And then you have some stuff under your belt. People can read your writing and then you, you know, you get a little bit more exposure and it can't be a bad thing. So in the process of following his advice, I found Zibby Owens on Instagram. She had a blog at the time called Moms Don't Have Time to Write. 
and she had her podcast, which is Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And <laughs> I submitted an essay to her cold from what was the fit now, what is now the fitness section of the book. And she wrote me back within 24 hours and she was like, I love this. We're going to publish it. And like, who are you? I want to know about you. And you're like, what's your story basically? So we got on a zoom. This was like peak COVID times. And, um, we got on zoom. She was so friendly and warm and generous. She offered to introduce me to several friends of hers who were agents. She offered to take a look at my proposal and to stay in touch. And she's just so, so kind. And so we did, you know, I, I stayed in touch with her. I sent her my proposal. None of those agents panned out, but I did eventually get an agent and I reached out to her when I did, I let her know, yeah, I got an agent. I eventually published a second piece with moms don't have time to write. And then as my agent was preparing my manuscript and like package to go out to different publishers, I got a two line email from Zibby this was summer 2021. And she just said, I'm going to start my own publishing company. Have you sold your book yet? If not, I want to publish your book. Uh, and I, I, well, exactly. I was like, is someone trolling me? Like, how could this possibly be real? So she was like, have you sold your book yet? And I was like, very, I was very cool. I was like, yeah. oh no, you know, we're getting ready to go to publishers. I was like, I don't know. I still don't think anybody's going to buy this. So, um, you know, it was a lot of, at the time she didn't even, she was like, I don't even know if I'm going to be in my own company or if I'm going to do an imprint. I don't have a team. I don't, I don't know anything, but can you hold tight? Don't submit your proposal to anybody else. Give me a few weeks to like work out the details. And I just, I had a good vibe from her. I had, I knew she was a hard worker, very well connected in the publishing space. I really appreciated her approach to, you know, the whole reason she wanted to start a publishing company was to do things different than traditional publishers Mm -hmm. and to have a different and give authors a different experience. And that all sounded really good to me. I love the idea of being with a woman owned company and with a team full of strong women. So I held out and I was one of the first authors that she signed to her publishing company. And I was the first book that she published. So that was entirely surprising to go back to your original question, because Mm -hmm. I did not expect that to happen. But I also don't think that happens to most people. (laughs) I think most people have a different experience. I got very lucky, very much at the right place in the right time with the right kind of book. Um, So yeah, that's my publishing story. Wow. That's so exciting though, but there is a lot that can be drawn out. I think that can be expanded for other people, right? Like you're putting yourself out there through the essays, but reaching out to her. Like, I feel like sometimes we say it was just lucky, but you also created your own luck in it. No, fair enough. And I mean, I think I have been helped in the, in my writing. Well, maybe not in the actual writing process, but certainly in the more commercial element of writing by having a business background, because I know how to sell. I know how to make relationships. And I see a lot of, I meet so many incredible authors who are brilliant writers, but they've never necessarily, you know, they've never worked in business. So they're like, look at like, oh my God, I can't believe you reached out to all these people and asked them to host stuff for your book tour. I'm like, yeah, of course. Like that's what you do. If they ask me, I would say yes, because this is how relationships work. And, you know, these are people I'm happy to do favors for, and they're happy to do favors for me. And it's very, it's very funny. It's been a big advantage actually, I think to have that background under my belt um, Mm -hmm. going into this process, because it is, not always, you know, you don't always find that commercial skill set with people who are brilliantly creative. And I'm not saying I'm brilliantly creative, but I am saying that I have at least the business side of things. Well, I can say you are brilliantly creative. Okay. Well, you can say it. That's fine. 
Okay. So what is one piece of advice that you would give to your former self? So, you know, maybe like right when you first embarked on this internship journey, drinking the wine that was drinking the wine. Um, you know, past Alicia, she did pretty good. Like I'm not very hard on her. I think that given the circumstances, the only thing maybe I would say is that I waited a very long time, almost a year really in between that martini fueled night and actually really going on this journey. I spent a lot of time stewing in my mom guilt and convincing myself I was never going to be able to do this. And it's, I did the same thing when I was writing. Like there were so many times where I was like, this is pointless. No one is ever going to read this. It's always going to be bad. Why am I even trying to do this? This is so, you know, I mean, I had those moments. I still have those moments all the time. So uh, maybe present Alicia is not so good at giving advice, but I would say in my, in my most clear headed moments, I think, you know, just keep going with it. And everybody feels like what they're doing is rubbish and not going to work out. And it just at different times, everybody feels that way. And to not wait so long to get going, just to go ahead and do it. I think that's what I would say, because uh, I spent a lot of time convincing myself I couldn't do it when I could have started even earlier. And then who knows, it wouldn't have been COVID. So maybe I could have done all these things I wanted to do that I didn't get to do during COVID, like intern at a marine biologist lab or at Disney World. Well, I have a feeling that if you still want to do those, Alicia will find a way. I am putting it out there in the world. Marine biology, I think, is going to happen because I found a place not far from me here in uh, in Edinburgh where I can go and like oh. count mollusks or something. I don't know. It's going to be cool. I'm going to see if they'll take me on for a little while. That's cool. Maybe you could find the Loch Ness. Maybe. Oh, my God. Maybe I could. Scottish, That'd be big. Scottish monsters. Okay. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for your time today. And where can people catch up with you? Where's the best way? Well, just like we found each other on Instagram. So at Alicia F. Miranda, I spend too much time on Instagram. So, and now that I've made a big deal about responding, I do actually respond to pretty much every message I get. Um, And you can also find out uh, where I'm headed on my various extrovert tour of America (laughs) um, on my website, which is aliciafmiranda.com. And I really do love when people reach out. So please do. All my email and everything is on my website. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show again. Thanks for having me. That's the official close. I was Woo-hoo! feeling like to like close and then clean clothes, clean clothes. Um, I don't know if you've seen, if you come across my podcast, quit your day job. Have you seen it? Oh, I haven't. Um, because I did. And so quit your day job is just interviews with people that work cool jobs, oh, mostly yeah. women. I have had a few token men, but I did a stand up comedian this season. Oh, really? Yes. And I'm oh, sure okay. you would enjoy that now that you're considering this foray into stand-up comedy. It was so, I'm just, I'm really fascinated by it to me, to put yourself out there telling jokes and worrying that people are not going to laugh is I think that's like the bravest thing you can do. <laughs> so I met a friend of my, it's a friend of mine's brother's girlfriend. And I met her socially and I was like, what do you do? She was like, oh, I'm a financial reporter by day and a stand-up comedian by night. And I was like, stop. I have to have you on my podcast. <laughs> So that was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to listen to that. Yeah, it's exciting talking to people. I love it. It doesn't feel like it should be work. No, no. I know I did. I just messaged a friend and she's she had done it 10 years ago. This 
and the same class I took it through. And she's like, I did a hundred shows. And then I stopped because I got burnt out by having a day job and also the sexual <laughs> harassment from men. Oh God. <sighs> yeah. There's a lot. Of I things. think that's hard. Jill, Jill talks about that. She's also, you know, she's young. She's very attractive. She's like, I think she gets a lot of uh, unwanted attention, but um, she's got a very good attitude towards it. And she's really, she just, she just constantly puts herself out there. It's really extraordinary. And I think yes. it's just an amazing thing because okay. it's, and it's very, I, I found her episode really like hilarious and also very inspiring because I do think it's kind of like writing, which is that you just have to be prepared to get rejected all the time. And that's just part of the job. Totally. Yeah. There's a lot of rejection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, thank you so much. I'm sure you have. Thank you for reading the book. Thank you for reaching out. I'm so grateful. I hope this was okay. (laughs) Oh, this was great. No, this is wonderful. And this is like my season finale. We're going to take a little break. So awesome. um, I feel like it's like your interview is like all the things that this show is about in one beautiful, hilarious package. So thank you. And I will let you know. I'm serious about a Canada tour. I'll let you know who I'm coming up. Okay, cool. I'm there. I'm there. All right. Oh, great to meet you. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I definitely did. Alicia is just such a beautiful and funny soul. And I definitely recommend checking out her book, My What If Here. Okay, so here are the top takeaways. Number one, let go of mom guilt. At least long enough to listen to that little voice inside you that says there's something more you're meant to do. Number two, are you bored, drained, burnt out? It may seem counterintuitive, but what you might just need is to let yourself be bad at something again. Let yourself try something that you will fail at. Embrace that intern spirit. As I mentioned, I recently tried stand-up comedy and I was terrible at it at first, but it's something that gives me joy and so I'm just gonna keep trying. And the trying is, I think, the exciting part. Number three, writing memoir requires digging deep, deeper than you may realize at first to figure out why you really are making the decisions. And that can be a very therapeutic process. Number four, take a chance by reaching out to people, sharing your work, asking advice. You never know where it will lead. Definitely Alicia never anticipated, as she says, getting her book published through Zibby Books when she first reached out to share one of her pieces there. And number five, remember that we talk about a lot of stuff on this show, finding time, marketing, Facebook ads, and it can be a little bit overwhelming at times. But ultimately, what it all comes down to is finding your joy. Again, that's really what this is all about. So give yourself time and permission to do that. Thanks so much for listening. As I mentioned, the show's going to take a little bit of a break as we reimagine where we're going with season two. So make sure that you subscribe so that you'll find out when the new episodes are available. Those should will just pop up into your phone. Thank you so much for listening. And while I'm on pause, I hope you get in tons of writing. I'll talk to you later. 